From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. I have heard two calls to action over and over and over. Innovate. You got to innovate. Learn how to collaborate and innovate. And then the other one, diversity, equity, and inclusion for a profession that has been focusing on this for over a decade. The fact that we have not moved the needle when it comes to diversity and having diverse and people at all different levels within the legal corporate marketplace is a really sad state. Welcome back to season 10 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. On today's episode of Takeoffs and Landings, Associate Dean of Intellectual Life Charlton Copeland interviews Michelle DeStefano about her paper, Chicken or Egg, Diversity and Innovation in the Corporate Legal Marketplace. Let's go to Charlton for the interview. Hi, uh, this is Charlton Copeland, and this episode of Takeoffs and Landings is going to be with my colleague Michelle DeStefano. And we're going to talk about a really great piece that she's written that is forthcoming titled Chicken or Egg, Diversity and Innovation in the Corporate Legal Marketplace. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. And thank you for um, for this really great article. I um, I want to I want to dive into into an argument that feels implicit in the piece that I think is um, is huge diversity as a problem of innovation. That I that when we think about the failure of organizations, institutions to diversify, I think so often the uh, attention is placed on individuals. And even when the 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 attention is placed on institutions and organizations, it doesn't look like the argument that you gave us. And so I want to give you an opportunity to kind of unpack what. I thought was sort of at the heart of this, that that problems of diversity, that the failure to diversify is itself a failure to innovate. Exactly. Could you expand on that? Because I, I, I just I mean, really, that it, it just, you know, the, the whole paper, I'm thinking, so this, you know, I'm sitting here saying, oh, well, these people are biased or these people are prejudiced. I can explain this in, and we've explained this in, in other ways. How do you arrive there and and what's the what's what does that insight offer us? Well, first I'd caveat that all of this is limited to the legal marketplace mm-hmm. and specifically the corporate legal marketplace. I'm not sure I can make that argument for the world. Maybe you can do that for me, Charlton. I'd say the problem is that if the people who are in charge of leading diversity, inclusion, and equity efforts don't know how to innovate or how to collaborate with other diverse professionals and also don't really absorb or believe in the benefits of collaborating with diverse professionals will never solve the problem of DE&I in the legal marketplace. Two are completely tied together. And like you said, I think most of the time we focus on diversity and we focus on the problem and we focus on the solutions that haven't worked. And I guess my main premise is we haven't 
gotten to the root cause, which is something that innovators are really good at doing, getting to the root cause of the problem. And I think the root cause of the problem, ironically, is innovation or the lack thereof. I want to give you an opportunity. I, I sort of jumped in because I, 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 again, I sort of spent some time with this and I thought it, this was a really uh, exciting project. I want to give you an opportunity to, to give the listeners a, a, a kind of overview of, 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 of the paper. So I have spent the last 13, 14 years interviewing lawyers and business professionals who work in the corporate legal marketplace. That's general counsels, in-house lawyers, law firm partners, lawyers, and then their clients, which if you're a law firm, your clients, the in-house lawyers often in the corporate legal marketplace. And if you're in-house counsel, although of course the corporation is the client, the clients as people are the business professionals that the in-house lawyers work with. And through that research, I have heard two calls to action over and over and over. Innovate. You got to innovate, learn how to collaborate and innovate. And then the other one, diversity, equity, and inclusion for a profession that has been focusing on this for over a decade. The fact that we have not moved the needle when it comes to diversity and having diverse and people at all different levels within the legal corporate marketplace is a really sad state. And so it finally occurred to me that the two calls are actually connected and that what in look, the one, the call for diversity is kind of lofty and it's look, if we don't do this, we're putting the entire profession, our reputation, our legitimacy at stake. It's so important. And I think sometimes because it's so important, it lets people off the hook because you check the box, you do what you need to do. And the call to innovate, how could that be that important? Especially lawyers in the corporate market, legal marketplace are making tons of money. So when I had this sort of light bulb moment that the two are tethered together, at first I was very hesitant and scared to write the article, thinking, you know, people who have spent their careers working on DE&I and studying DE&I are going to be offended that I'm tying the two calls to action together. Yet as I looked into it more and more, it almost became so obvious. It, I'm surprised somebody hasn't already said it before. So I want to come back to something you just said. You 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 said that at least within the DE&I space, the risk of failure is the legitimacy of the profession. I could imagine, and I imagine you could imagine, certainly, legal professionals who say, well... Michelle, I did, yeah, that, that sounds right. But lawyers ought to be at some remove from management. That, 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 and one of the things that we celebrate as a profession is our autonomy. We, so that we can stand over and against um, at some distance from those business people so that we can articulate what the law is and, and, and we, are, we are a part of that system. How does that sense of the integrity and the legitimacy of law seemingly conflict with this other sense of the integrity and legitimacy of law um, that I think people sit on and say, no, 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 you you want to pull us down. 
so that we're like all the others, that we're like management consultants. We 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 sit at some remove from from them so that we can correct them. Well, in the paper, I talk about two different situations, one in which a bank is creating a new tool, consumer lending tool, and of course they don't involve the lawyers because lawyers aren't creative people. Mm -hmm. Lawyers aren't collaborative. What value could a lawyer actually provide in this ideation development process? We'll talk to them later if we have to. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened was the AI had bias baked into it so that the tool actually discriminated against um, seeing, I think it was single female uh, uh, potential consumers who wanted loans and the lawyers were brought in too late. And so this idea that law and lawyers are supposed to be separate and protect the profession and say what is right is good only in the sense that it works because there are situations, including the other, another situation mentioned in the paper where there are unintended consequences and the lawyers don't catch it soon enough. I get what your other argument is too. this idea that lawyers need to be separate and not part of the client because they need to have an independent voice. So Mm -hmm. they stop their client from doing wrong. Mm -hmm. So for example, with the whole collapse of Enron, Mm -hmm. there's the, where were the lawyers on the one hand, you could say they were too collaborative. I make the argument that they weren't collaborative enough Mm. and that if there's true collaboration and a true, true understanding and belief that you need diverse viewpoints, people from different culture, background, race, age, religion, nationality, IQ, ambition to come together to solve problems. If you really, really believe in that, then the lawyer's voice will still be heard Mm -hmm. by that group of people when it's time to make sure there's no bias baked into the AI. No. And this, I mean, the, the, I think what you what you lay on the table both is 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 a kind of set of insights about who lawyers need to understand themselves as not so much being but the question is what does today's business environment require of lawyers right in what ways are you going to be able to be correctors truth tellers in ways that are actually going to be transformative um, and, and, and it can't no longer be in this siloed, isolated way that you're sitting on top of a of a of a of a, of a hill um, uh, at some, again, remove and distance. And I, 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 I just appreciated that um, in real ways. But I think it also in the paper, you suggest that it creates a mindset. Right. That it that it, that it is about. It, it's not just dangerous because you're not involved, but it also simply replicates a mindset that undermines the capacity to ever be involved. Right. That, we, that, that it's not like we can just say, come down from that hill. It's that we don't know how to do that or we don't know what to do once we've come down from that hill. And so. Um, again, one of the things I found really interesting about the paper is how do we do that? You you actually sort of give us some 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 really uh, concrete statements about what we as professors, what we as law schools, what we as lawyers in law firms and lawyers in in-house uh, corporate departments might do to 
to, to challenge those mindsets that have been built up. I couldn't agree with you more that we have to figure out how to change lawyers' mindsets so that they want to go down the hill mm. so that once they're there, they're equipped to participate with the people that are down the hill with them so that the hill disappears. Not the hill of my job as a lawyer is to protect an ethical behavior and prevent the corporation or client from taking on risks or doing things that cause crises or unintended consequences. We still need that voice, mm -hmm. but we need a different type of mindset so that lawyers aren't up on a hill deigning to give their expert advice. And I recommend in the paper design thinking training mm -hmm. as one way to change the mindsets. Other people have suggested that there should be a duty to innovate in the model rules of professional conduct. Mm -hmm. And I think that's putting the cart before the horse because we don't know how we don't believe it's necessary. And in some ways we are innovative lawyers innovate every day. Mm. We just, in, we're innovating about the law and we're solving problems and we're preventing crises from happening. Yet our mindsets are very different tests. Research shows that we test low on empathy and we like to rush to solve as opposed to spending time problem finding. And the paper really focuses on how this, I could write a whole paper on all the negative consequences of this that have nothing to do with diversity, equity, and mm -hmm. inclusion. Mm -hmm. And in my books, I talk about it, lack of client centricity, you're going to make less money, blah, blah. But when it comes to DEI, it starts to really raise an importance because if you don't have the mindset of an innovator, you're not going to be at the table to help create the solutions. And if you're not at the table to help create the solutions, then the lawyers are never going to adopt them. Right. I mean, the story that you tell about the, the rejection of the work allocation innovation um, and the, and the justifications for the work allocation justification, right. Um, are, are classic, right. It, it, it's this sense of, no, 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 that's not how, that's not how I've ever done it. And, and, and I'm the partner and I get to pick who's on my team and, uh, and I don't care what your metrics tell you about expertise and judgment and availability and all those other things. One of the things I wanted to ask is, and I, and it's, and it's not so much in the paper, but I, I think it's, it's, it, it's certainly up your, your alley, given what I know about your work. How much of this is turf protection? That is to say, how much of this is, is about a profession saying this is what we do and this is how we win the war against accounting and consultants and other um, trained mind people in this professional space. Um, how much of it is, is, is simply turf? So I think. Turf is part of it. So are our, our, so are our unauthorized practice of law rules. Mm -hmm. I think generation for some is part of what's driving the turf wars. Do you see differences in you in terms of your interviews of um, 
GCs um, and other um, legal counsel, do you see generational differences in in the sorts of responses that you've um, to questions that you've asked of this sort over 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 the time? Absolutely. Yeah. So the millennials and digital natives, Gen Zers, they want diversity, they want inclusivity, and they don't want to work for companies that aren't going to mirror their own diversity and make sure that people feel like they can be themselves at work. I would say that ironically, some of the ex-GCs, ex-managing partners seem to be coming back around Mm. once they have, some of my interviews show that once they're no longer in the position, maybe they're then ready to see the power of diversity. So I I agree that some of it's turf, but I think most of it is mindset. Mm. And, and that is the root cause of the turf. Okay, we're always going to have people who are going to want to make more money. Yet if they really understood the power of diversity, they'd understand that they, that gives them the power to make more money. It's, <laughs> but they don't do it anyway. Right. So it's, it is about mindset. And, and it's somehow, somewhere along the way, lawyers in the corporate marketplace have forgotten where they put their crayons. And they're comfortable doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, people always rag on people who have fixed mindsets. Whenever you read all the literature on growth mindsets, so much negativity about how fixed mindsets are worse or not as good as growth. I like to say, look, people with fixed mindsets are super, super smart because they figure out really, really early on what they're good at mm. and they do it over <laughs> and over. Yeah. And over again, and they make a lot of money and they actually help their clients. Yet... We need lawyers to have a growth mindset, to be open to the idea that they can do new things and work with new people. And that when they do that, that actually brings them more of than what they're doing now. That's the same thing over and right. over again. I, I want to uh, I see that our time is, is, is coming to a conclusion. It's, it, it always goes by so quickly and it's gone by, I think, even more quickly in this conversation because there's so much uh, more we could we could chat about. Um I just want to thank you so much for this article. I was so excited when I when I saw it posted on SSRN and 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 I said, oh, I want to talk to uh, Michelle about this article. Thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk with me. Thank you, Charlton. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Ugez. Today's episode is brought to you by the 2023 Global Entertainment and Sports Law and Industry Conference, a full-scale event where law students and professionals participate in a forum to discuss current legal issues in sports, entertainment, intellectual property, the arts, and the media. March 30th and 31st at the Shalala Student Center. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.